Good morning, Centennial Covenant. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, every once in a while, I teach a class on canoeing. Watch the mics. Uh, I teach a class on canoeing at Colorado Christian University, uh, just up the road in Lakewood. And I know that all of you really wanted a lesson on canoeing this morning, so you're in luck. You get one. People at home, uh, if you guys want to go get your canoes right now and practice with me, you're welcome to do that. You guys, if you didn't bring your canoe, I'm sorry, but don't worry. I've got one here. We're going to learn um, two pretty critical canoeing skills this morning, and I think, I'm not certain, but I think they're actually going to relate to what I talk about from Scripture, but if not, we still get to learn canoeing, people, right? Okay, first, critical skill. If you're going to be, be a safe and effective canoer, you need to know how to handle the boat out of the water so that you don't injure yourself out of the water so that when you get in the water, everybody's safe and healthy. So. One of my favorite canoe skills is the solo lift and carry. You just saw the carry, so we're gonna do the solo lift. It's really simple, three easy steps, okay? Three easy steps. Step number one, you're gonna pop the canoe up onto your hips, like this. Step number two, you're gonna take your dominant hand and you're gonna reach it under the boat, like this. Step number three, at this point, you just rotate it onto your shoulders. It's really quite simple. Now, to put it down, you just do the same thing in reverse. Who wants to come try? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Um, I'm glad you didn't volunteer, because I don't know if I really, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Um, we're in a sermon series like, David reminded you on abundant life. You've all got like a little card that was on your seat. Grab that little card. Let me ask you a question. When you think of the phrase abundant life, what comes to mind? What are the, what are the ideas? What are the experiences? What are the images? What are the habits? What are the activities? When you hear the phrase abundant life, what comes to your mind? As you think about that, I'll tell you one of the things that comes to my mind. Um, one of the things that comes to my mind is canoeing. I have, from a very young age, loved to get into a boat and get on a water, get on the water. I love to paddle. I love the stillness and the peace that I feel when I'm out on the water, especially when I get to share it with a friend or when I get to teach others how to enjoy being in a boat on the water uh, like I do get to do every once in a while. When I think of the phrase abundant life, I often think of getting out in a boat on the water, not just because I love the sport of it, which in case you were wondering, um, the greatest of all Olympic sports, two-person whitewater slalom canoeing, obviously the greatest of all sports. If you haven't watched it all, you should. You can only get it on YouTube. I don't know why the networks don't broadcast at primetime, but they don't. Uh, I'm serious, though. It's really good. Um, it's a place for me that when I'm doing it, not, not just that I love the sport, but I get, that, I get that thing in my bones 
that sense of peace and stillness and I think I get a sense of connection to God that really is meaningful and life-giving to me. We've been asking uh, this question, I guess the sermon series has actually been, where do you go? Uh, Because the idea is when life is hard or challenging or when you've got struggles or when you've got decisions to make, where do you go in those times? And the answer we hope is that I go to God. Why do I go to God in times of need or in times of celebration? I go to God because I believe God is the source of abundant life. Take a second on your card, maybe just write down, what are some of the things that come to mind? Habits, activities, times in your life, seasons. What are some of the things that come to your mind when you hear the phrase abundant life? I'd love for that card to become a way to remind you of what we've been talking about together, both the Sunday before my sabbatical and last Sunday and this. But as you're doing that, just a little reminder, here's where the phrase abundant life comes from. John 10, 10, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was talking uh, to them about some sheep And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus desires to give abundant life to anyone and everyone who will follow him. Have you ever experienced abundant life? If so, the hope is this, that we are continually reminding ourselves that God has made available to each and every one of us his abundant life each and every day if we will simply receive it if we will shape our lives to be the sorts of lives that root ourselves in his life, as opposed to all the other false sources of life that we so often turn to. Um, I also had the wonderful experience of getting to canoe um, with my family while on sabbatical. Here's, Here's me and the boys in the canoe. Asa loves paddling. He doesn't quite get the whole, like, you're supposed to paddle all in the same direction. And, and he didn't really agree with me on that point. But the paddle was in the water a lot, and he really liked it. Um, here's a picture. We paddled out to a little peninsula. It was actually almost an island because there was a lot of water. Um, on Long Pond, which is a big lake in the middle of Acadia, national park uh, up in Maine, and it was a beautiful day, and that, that experience was just one of many that reminded me, I love being here, because when I'm in this moment, right, when I'm, when I'm on the water with my family, I think I'm a little closer to the God of abundant life. For me, when I'm in the creation, I find it easier to, to be closer to the creator. Um, maybe you've had a, a memory come to mind. I just shared one memory with you of of a type of thing that when I experience it, I think of abundant life. Maybe you've had a memory come to mind. If so, I'm going to ask you, try try to get that memory of abundant life. Try to get that vivid in your imagination. I mean, we know how imaginations work, right? We can, we can recall something so powerfully in our mind's eye that we can maybe even feel it again. We can almost put ourselves back there. Try to get, try to get yourself in that place of abundant life. As you do that, um, the brother of Jesus, a guy named James, he, he wrote uh, a letter that's in our Bible, in the scriptures, and James described God, one of the many ways God is described, but James, brother of Jesus, described God as the giver of every good and perfect gift. This memory that you have, assuming that 
it brings back some level of joy, this memory of abundant life, bringing back some level of joy. You might even call it a good gift. This memory you have, that moment, that experience, was a gift given to you by God. So as a way to kind of get our hearts ready to receive uh, what I hope God has for us from his word this morning, uh, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Thinking of that memory, keep it vivid in your mind. Maybe you can feel it. Thinking of that memory, knowing that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. So if that memory is something you would call either good or perfect, would you pray this simple prayer with me? God, thank you. Last week, I mentioned uh, one of what I think are some critical practices to root ourselves in God's abundant life. What I talked about last week was the practice of contentment, and I want to add to it two things this morning. The first thing I want to add to contentment as a practice to root us in God's abundant life as, in, as opposed to rooting us in all the other things we sometimes chase in this world, uh, I want to add to the practice of contentment the practice of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the most consistently powerful and effective ways, most consistently powerful and effective ways to get our hearts and minds focused on God's life and off of all of the other things that can drag our hearts away in the world around us. We've got two ideas. Do you want the abundant life that God God has said it's right here for you? Idea number one, practice contentment. Learn contentment. Idea number two, practice contentment gratitude. Make it a daily activity to practice so as to find God's abundant life right there. Um, I I mentioned something last week about this scripture, John 10.10. So so the scripture says, uh, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, But I also mentioned that the they, right, and I just said it now, the they is a group of sheep. uh, And in this story, the sheep is anybody and everybody who's trying to follow Jesus with their life. The sheep is anybody who says, when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, hopefully when I'm sleeping at night, but I don't have quite as much, you know, conscious control when I'm sleeping as to what I do. But at least when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, I'm going to try to live my life following Jesus. If that's you, then you are one of the sheep in this story. And so in a sense, what I suggested last week is that Jesus is actually saying, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But I need to make a confession to you. Uh, so, so I actually, um, when I think of that scripture, I actually think of it kind of in my heart and in my head with the you more than the they. And that's okay. Do you know why it's okay? Because I think Jesus does want you and me to have abundant life. As a matter of fact, this scripture, um, one of the first times it became significant to me, uh, I was on a three-week canoe trip in the Boundary Waters of northern Minnesota, I used this paddle, and the theme verse my group had chosen for that trip was John 10.10, 10, and it's actually etched into the blade of this paddle right here. So this is a verse that's been really significant, meaningful um, in my life for many, many years. Um, but like I said, I, I think I have in my head switched it from a they to a you, and I actually know that I've kind of switched it because just a couple weeks ago I was in a staff meeting, and I did a little devotional on this scripture, and I wrote the scripture on the board, and I, I did a whole long thing, and I actually talked about some of the original Greek language about it, and I did all this stuff, and I did the whole thing with that translation of the scripture, not with they, and after the fact I had to go back to the staff and be like, staff, just so you know, 
um, I rewrote scripture <laughs> with you all, and I apologize. But as I was reflecting on, on the way I changed it from a they to a you, something struck me. And I think it's something that I actually do often. I don't know if you've experienced this. Um, if, if you're reading through scripture, there's a lot of parts of scripture that talk about you, right? You see the word you in scripture on a somewhat regular basis. Whenever I see it, I, I, I've come to realize, I often assume that that you, that second person pronoun, I kind of read it and hear it and internalize it as a singular, as though it's being written to me. Has anybody ever done that? You read through scriptures and you're like, oh, you, it's talking to me. Like, this is Jesus is talking to me, or one of the apostles is talking to me, or maybe God is talking right to me. I often, when I read scripture, I just hear it speaking individually, personally to me. Now, on the one hand, that's great, okay? On the one hand, that's great. Do you know why it's great? Because I think God actually does want to talk to you. God wants you to have his abundant life. That's great. But I see how sometimes I'm maybe twisting scripture when I do that, like I did with John 10.10. I took a they, which is plural, and I changed it to a you, and I changed it to a you that's singular. So I want to do just a little something to illustrate this flip. Is it, has it, do you guys, are you with me? Has anybody, have you noticed this in yourself? Or am I the only one in the room? Okay, like three, four, two and a half of you nodded. Okay, I'm just going to assume maybe your friends might, this might be beneficial to your friends or somebody else you know, uh, I hope. So uh, I, I, I did a little study on all of the times that the word you shows up in the New Testament. Okay, so first of all, Greek, uh, there's a Greek word for you. Uh, Sue is the Greek word for you. 2,894 times it shows up in the New Testament. If you want to really geek out for a second, we have a couple different Greek New Testaments. In the Nestle Aland, it's 2,900. Um, you're welcome. Of those 2,894, 1,061 are singular. So some of them talk to you, singular, individual, right, personal. 1,833 are plural, which gives us pretty close to 66% of the time, almost two-thirds of the time when you're reading the New Testament, when you see the word you, it's talking to a group, to a community, to a, to a gathering, to multiple different people. But you must dig deeper because the word you gets used in different ways. Let me give you a couple examples of you, singular, in the New Testament. An angel talking to Joseph. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Your, it's a form of you, right? It's talking about Joseph, one guy, singular. This is you, singular, talking about one guy. Great, simple. Carl, what's the big deal? We know that that's how it works. Here's another example of you, singular. And you, Bethlehem of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. You, singular, talking about a whole city. Sometimes, even when the you is singular, it's still talking about a whole group of people. Okay, what's the point? Thank you for asking. Let me answer that question. We live in a world, and I know this is true in my heart, we live in a world that often defaults to the individual. We see things through a lens of me, myself, and I. But Jesus lived in a world that defaulted to the communal. In the teachings of Jesus, in the teachings of Scripture, God often, and you would even say primarily, because when you account for it, it might even be three-fourths of the time, the Scripture speaks to groups of people 
about how to live out their faith. And this is true because our whole individualistic worldview where we tend to think of ourselves first as an individual and then as a community, that's actually somewhat new on the historical scene and that's actually somewhat abnormal as far as the world goes. The majority of people throughout history have thought of themselves first as part of a community and only then as an individual in that community. The way we think of it is different than how it is for many, if not most people on the planet and in the world throughout history. So here's the point I'm trying to make as we come to abundant life. Um, Our church mission statement talks about uh, this journey of abundant life this way. We say, we exist to glorify God by following Jesus on a shared journey of transformation. If we want to practice contentment and practice gratitude, if we want our lives to be rooted in God's abundant life, we need to realize that we are designed to share the journey. The purpose of this life God gives is not just for us to have it personally, though it is for us to have it personally, but rather it's for us to share it as part of a community. So here's the third thing I want to suggest. Um, If you look around in your life and you go, you know what? When I hear Jesus talking about abundant life, when I see him describing the type of life that people can have and the type of community life that people can have um, in God's love, and, and, and if you find yourself thinking, that is what I want my life to be about, well, then we can practice contentment. We can practice gratitude. And we can make sure that we always practice it in community. Boom. Amen. Um, Take a second. As you flip flip your card over again, as you, um, some of you are writing on your cards already. Oh, that warms my heart. Uh, As you think about whatever that memory was of abundant life, as you think about the people or the places or the activities or the habits, as you think about what abundant life means to you, let me ask you this. How are you sharing that with others. How is your understanding of abundant life a community experience? Here's a couple of the ways I phrase the question. As you think about your desire to pursue God's abundant life, who is the you next to you whose life is making an impact on you? If we always think of you in the singular, if that's my default in my heart, maybe yours, then, then I need to like use two of the word you to just remind me. Who is the you next to you with whom you're sharing your pursuit of God's abundant life? And then here's where we're going to uh, kind of wrap up uh, the last part of the sermon today. And don't worry, I didn't, I didn't forget. I told you you got two canoe lessons, so the second one's coming. Don't worry. Uh, what practices root your faith in community over individuality. We want to take our faith, we want to take God's love for us personally, but not just personally, also communally. Um, One of the ways that this really hit home for me uh, during sabbatical, I'd mentioned last week, and I've talked to a lot of you, it's been fun sharing stories. Uh, We kind of started off the whole thing up in the mountains at a week of family camp, beautiful, uh, up in the Cimarron Valley of Colorado, and Uh, The speakers at family camp, the husband and wife who run the camp together, just did a phenomenal job. But they challenged me, and they challenged us in some really awesome ways. And one of the things that 
really hit me was a specific practice that they invited me to. Um, I brought with my, my sort of beat up copy of the, the journal I made last summer my, called My Rule of Life. If you haven't engaged with it, you could try. There's one in the Welcome Center. Uh, I found it meaningful. So last summer, I created this rule of life. I said, what are some of my faith practices that are going to root me in abundant life? Well, I spent a lot of time just looking back through this and reflecting on the past year and going, did the rhythms, did the practices that I set down, did they work? Were they helpful? Were they, were they, did they impact? I'm at family camp, and the speakers are talking about prayer, and they're also talking about prayer as something we do as a family together, and something hit me pretty hard. As I was looking at my rule of life, I realized that the majority of my faith practices that I put down last summer would be 100% unchanged, no matter who I was with, no matter what my family was, come or go, family come or go, church come or go, friends, they were all individual practices of faith. I'd created a rule of life for myself that assumed my faith was just about me, and it didn't really matter whether or not anybody was there. And that really hit home when um, they invited us to consider making a commitment as a family to a communal prayer practice. And um, they challenged us to do something, and it really hit both Mickin and I, and, and it, we made it our goal to engage this particular practice every day, or as close to every day as we could for the rest of our sabbatical. Um, the practice was this. Every end every day, praying a blessing out loud in person with each member of my family. Family camp, they said, Carl, what would it look like if you ended every day putting your hand on each of your kids and praying a blessing? The first time I heard him say that, I'll be honest, I don't know, maybe I have too much cynicism in me. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's fine. Okay, you know, I heard that before. What's next? Come on, give me something better than that. Until that night, when I tucked Asa into bed, I put my hand on his head and I prayed, God, bless Asa. And I prayed, God, help him know that you made him and that you love him. And then the family camp speaker had shared some ideas, and so I also prayed, and God, help me be a dad that shows him that same love. You know what happens when you pray out loud with people and for people? It's powerful. I can't even tell you about it without getting choked up. And something shifted in my heart when I made prayer a practice that was no longer individual, but rather it was communal. Contentment, gratitude, community. Those are three things I've offered to you as suggestions to shape our lives around the abundant life God offers. So let me ask you this. Uh, What is your move going to be? How is it that you are going to choose to pursue God with your life. Let me offer um, three simple ideas. You can do this in a million ways. Community shows up in all different ways and shapes and forms. So be free to pursue community in the way God's made you to do it. But let me give you a few 
Simple, simple, simple ideas. First, what would it look like to read Scripture in community? I know many of you do this already. We've got life groups that read Scripture together. Uh, We've got families that read Scripture together. We've got friendships that read Scripture together. But just take a minute and let it sink in. When you read Scripture with people, and I'm all for reading scripture on my own. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not dogging on that. That's not a problem. I'm just saying when you read scripture with people, it changes it. Where in your life are you reading scripture in community? Second idea. Create space for attentiveness to people. I talked about this a lot last week. I said, you know what? When you give your undivided attention to someone, I mean, think about how often we spend our days with highly divided attention, how often we are distracted and we're giving somebody just a little sliver of our attention. When you give somebody your undivided attention, it is powerful. And you know what I've found? Moments when I give or receive my full attention, those are almost always moments it's a lot easier to be grateful for. I'm just not often very grateful for distraction. I don't know about you, But I am just not. So create space for attentiveness. When you put the phone down, when you turn the screens off, when you leave leave the dirty dishes, just leave the dirty dishes for a little while longer, and you say, I'm just going to be 100% right here. Even if for just five minutes. Practice attentiveness. Third, like I just shared Pray out loud, daily, for someone. And I guess I would add, with someone. Who's someone that you could choose to pray a blessing for? It doesn't have to be long. 30 seconds. Heck, start with 12 seconds of prayer of a blessing. How are you going to root your faith in community? Not, I'm not saying this because I think you should and I want to make it a burden and I want to make it a, some sort of an extra weight, but because I think when you do, you will find so much joy. Um, one of the things I really like to do, I don't, I don't get to do it often, uh, is, is get out and paddle uh, a canoe on my own. I usually paddle with people, and sure enough, boats are actually, more often than not, designed. Um, But if you're going to solo paddle a canoe, again, I know you're wondering, so I'm going to tell you, if you're going to solo paddle a canoe, there's a few things you really, really need to make sure you get right. First of all, um, there's the seats here and there, but if you're going to solo paddle, you don't want to be on the seat, you want to kneel in the middle of the canoe. They actually sell really nice pads. Uh, I don't have one, so I'm just going to use this life jacket. Um, and then it's tricky because if you're in the middle of the canoe, it's like farther out to the side, right? So to make it easier on yourself, um, you're actually going to do what's called healing the canoe, H-E-E-L, healing the canoe, where you kneel on the side of it, and when you're in the water, it tips up even more. And that's going to allow you to be a lot closer to the side. It's easier to paddle. Just realized I'm showing that whole half my butt. I'm sorry. <laughs> half. You guys online, you guys, are, you guys got a great shot right here. Or no, I'm on that camera right now. Hi, online. It's going to make it easier. It also, it's really interesting when it's healed, it actually creates a, a, a less surface on the water. 
and makes it easier to track straight. So when you're solo paddling, you want to heal the canoe, you want to paddle. Um, you want to think about your paddle. There's different types of paddles. This is a really nice one. It's a bent shaft paddle. This is really, really good for powerful paddling, but it's a little harder to um, steer with this. So you want a nice, narrow, long-bladed paddle, right? You got to get the right gear. You got to get in the right position. You want a nice, breathable life jacket where you have good arm movement. You want to heal the canoe. Those are some critical tips for solo paddling a canoe. But you know what strikes me? As I think about my love to paddle and my love to solo paddle, it strikes me, don't we do that often in life? We have something we want to do. And we love to find and share and know all of the tips and all the tricks and all the gear and all the techniques that allow us to more effectively do it on our own. You want to know the absolute best way to effectively paddle a canoe? Paddle with someone. And it will go better every single time. I've asked a good friend of the church, ministry partner Roy Graham, to come up and um, end our time together with a prayer exercise, Roy. Thanks for being with us. So let's practice um, paddling, canoeing, with Jesus and abundant life this morning. We're just going to take a few minutes of a prayer exercise. We've done this here before. Um, it's one that I find to be very effective with people. It's, it's an imaginative prayer technique. So the whole idea is from we mentioned the sermon at the beginning of practicing abundant life. So let's do that. I want you to, uh, if you're comfortable doing so, just take a moment and close your eyes. Uh, if you're not, then that's okay. You can still look up here wherever you like. But close your eyes. And I want you to think back again about the, the, the thing you wrote down this morning, the memory that Carl had you write down at the very beginning, if you did that. So picture that experience where you had abundant life, where you experienced what you thought was abundant life. So Carl's example is canoeing. My example would be uh, sitting by the ocean. But what is one that you have in mind? And I want you to use sometimes or oftentimes with imaginative exercises, if we use our senses, it helps us get back and reconnect our whole person with that memory. So let's start with the easy one. In your mind's eye, Use your vision. What do you see? So think back about that experience. And what can you see? See it again with your eyes, your mind's eyes. Next, let's do hearing. What do you hear? In my memory, I hear the crashing waves. I can hear the sound of gulls uh, with their funny cries. What do you hear in your memory? Next, let's do touch. Another easy one, usually. What do you feel underneath your hands or your feet or perhaps your body? Maybe it's the wind against you. Carl's example would be the canoe itself. What do you feel? What do you touch in your memory?
The next one's one of the hard ones, and that's okay. If you don't have any of these, any of these senses aren't coming to, just gently dismiss them. There's no worries there. But taste. Taste is a powerful memory key. Is there anything you taste? Often when I'm by the sea, I can taste the salt air in the air. I can taste the salt itself. In your memory, what do you taste? And lastly, smell. Smell may be the most powerful memory inducer of all. Is there anything you smell in this memory where you experienced abundant life? Just going to give us a small space of silence for you to interact and feel with your whole person that experience of abundant life again. gospel of John, one of the major themes is life. Uh, So since we're spending time there, one of the things that John is doing is showing how life fulfills or is in all things. And as the James verse that Carl referenced says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So we can easily assume both from the gospel of John and that verse in James and many other places that God is in this abundant life memory that Jesus by his Holy Spirit is there in the memory. So I just want to ask you now, if you've attuned to that memory, if you've got a sense of it through the senses, if you're you're aware of it and you're feeling it again, is just to gently ask, Lord Jesus, where are you in this memory? Help me to be aware of you. Maybe you see him. Maybe you just feel him. Maybe it's even an idea in your mind. That works too. But Jesus is present by his Holy Spirit. He can't be anywhere else. So take a moment and ask him, where are you? And if you're not sensing him, please don't worry about that. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. Just enjoy the memory. Even just enjoy this moment, the music. Lord Jesus, where are you in our memories? question I just want to invite you if you're aware of the Lord's presence and even if you're not even just in this moment Lord Jesus by your spirit is there anything you'd like me to know right now in this moment is there anything you'd like me to know about abundant life about these different ways of participating contentment gratitude and community or is there just anything in general Lord that you'd like for me to know an abundant life and take just a Another moment of silence and enjoy that. Lord Jesus, we know that you are good. 
Your Father is good. Your Holy Spirit that is in all things is good. And we know that, that you are present. And just now, I pray your blessing over my friends here that you would seal this experience, that you'd bless them. And Centennial Covenant, my friends and family, I bless you directly in the name of Jesus to know that you have abundant life and that it's an invitation and not a a must-do or a have-to or a should, but it's an invitation to participate in the goodness and presence of God. Lord Jesus, we bless them in your name. Amen. Just in real quick, let me invite you, speaking of community, to take this experience, and would you share it with someone today? If you had an experience that described the whole thing, if the Lord said something to you, would you take and share that, paddle in the canoe together, and share that experience with someone in your life today? Thank you.